to the Skeptic Wire. And this is episode 173 on October 8th, 2014. Tonight, I am your host, Donna Swafford, and with me is Greg Perrine. Hello! Unfortunately, Gary is stuck at work, I believe. Um, he's having some sort of computer programming something or other problems and... I had thought I thought he was stuck in another state. That was the other problem. Yeah, well, I believe that is actually the next two weeks that he's in another state. So, but tonight it's computer programming not doing what I want it to do, <laughs> sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So we will be a a two person podcast for the next couple of weeks, and hopefully. Gary will get everything situated and be back with us very, very shortly. Or find another job. Or find another job. <laughs> so, how has your week been, Greg? Um, fairly uneventful. You know, the, with the, with the uh, excitement of having gotten a flu shot last week, this week has just paled in comparison. Hmm. I did get my flu shot. Oh, good. Yay! I'm protected. Although, if it was like last year... <laughs> When I got the flu shot and then a month later got the flu and it was really, really bad. <laughs> Whatever flu- strain they they poked you for wasn't quite covered or you just hung around the wrong people. Yeah, exactly. You hung around mutants. Maybe yeah. that's why Gary is missing the podcast. He hasn't gotten his flu shot yet. Hmm. Maybe. That's a lesson to you, dear listener. Yes. Vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. Or you'll miss podcast sessions. Exactly. Somehow. Yeah. I've been, <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, I mean, the flu shot was honestly the most exciting thing of my past seven days. And, you know, um, now that I am officially unemployed and kind of enjoying life, that's, I actually have good. caught up with some, like, television. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very weird. Like, my DVR is not at 98% capacity. Mm. Good timing, though, considering this is the beginning of the television yes, series. Yes, exactly. So. But I'm still having to catch up from shows from a year and a half ago. <laughs> so, don't tell me what happens on Revenge, okay, people? It's my one little girly weakness show. It's a soap opera kind of bad show. Don't judge. Don't judge. <laughs> we all have our guilty pleasures. And that one is definitely a guilty pleasure. Other than not having anything to do, I just, I'm assuming since Gary isn't here, we're not doing any sort of game or anything. So I am by default yeah. the queen of the yes, podcast. Yes, definitely. definitely. Um, it's just not quite as entertaining, at least to me, if only one person is guessing what's <laughs> going on. It's not quite much of a competition. We're, yeah. we're, we'll just get more into... Um, Something else to maybe scintillate the listeners and Ooh, scintillating and and, 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 and get them. Oh, does does this mean interested. that we're we're going to be bringing back? Oh, I don't know, primate sexy time. Um, sort of. This is kind of primate sexy time in that it is. involves a primate 
and it involves something to do with sex, but it's a, not a very sexy story. I don't know it, why I slipped into an Italian accent there. You know what? It may not be a sexy story, but it does have scientific overtones it's, to it's it. It's a learning moment. It's a learning moment, yes. So um, I'm sure plenty of you have seen the story go around on the Facebooks this last week or so. Of a, on the Facebooks. Yes. <laughs> Did you suddenly turn 80, Greg? <laughs> I've always been an old man. <laughs> Apparently, down in Colombia, a 22-year-old woman went into the um, emergency room complaining of an intense pain in her lower abdomen. and uh, So, not... So, I mean, it could be anything like, oh, I don't know, like appendicitis, uh, appendicitis yeah, or, or sort like of thing. burst... Uh, um, uh, of gallbladder or 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 kidney stones kidney stones or an ovarian cyst a, a lot of possibly scary things well i guess based on the area that the pain was taking place the attending nurse carolina rojas the actual patient is not mentioned in the articles i was able to find on this examined her hoo-ha and I, I'm just going to use the technical terms. It, it examined her vagina. So they did a basically a pap smear sort of. No, not, not no. really a pap smear, but they probably put the speculum in and could look around. Probably. Uh, uh, probably at least a speculum at, 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 you know, or at least a Q-tip to move things aside. If you have to move <laughs> things aside in your vagina, there is already a problem. Plenty of people have big labia. I'm not judging. So... <laughs> Anyway, back to the story. The nurse was giving the patient an examination, and according to all articles, they snarkily say that the nurse thought that she was the victim of a practical joke. Because when she examined this patient's vagina, she found roots. roots. Not, not like the band that's in The Tonight Show. That's the Tonight Show band, right? The Roots? I think so. Um... I, I'm a Craig Ferguson person, so I, I, I don't watch a TV show where there's an actual band for the late night person. It turns out that this 22-year-old woman had been advised by her mother that if you don't want to get pregnant, you put a potato up your vagina. A potato. A potato. And this young woman had left it up there for two weeks. What the fuck is all I have to yes. say? So... Ugh. I'm sorry. We can, we can get into some stuff with just this one story, but we may, as in the course of the discussion, we're also going to talk some about other contraception kind of myths. I Which guess, there are a lot of. Yes. My, the, the first thing with the story is apparently Columbia has really bad teen pregnancy problem. And well, if people <laughs> are telling you to put a potato up your <laughs> vagina, is this really a surprise? Not entirely, because it seems like... Even though they've had a relatively recent decrease in teen pregnancy in 2014, some figures say about 15% decrease recently, there's still basically a very, what a lot of articles describe as a medieval either administration or point of view towards sex. The government basically mandated that there should be more education of sex education for all students in Colombia. In so like from the 1990s on or something, but basically there's so much Victorian point of view towards sex that uh, something like the Red Revolution or the Red Parents or something like that, they're all pissed off that they're talking to kids about sex 
Sound familiar? Sounds like Texas. <laughs> so there's a lot of social taboos about talking about sex and not just that in, in, in education or whatever, where they might actually be talking about not just contraception, but that homosexuality exists, that sort of stuff. That's all the, all that kind of stuff is what's being, what they're very angry about. The, some of these more conservative parents, not only are they not free to discuss it in school, the social culture apparently down in Colombia means Which that is probably very heavy Catholic. Probably. Are not... They, no one feels free to discuss it with their parents either. So yes. you're, you, you're getting your, your, your information... I would hope in the internet age that maybe you can get better information off of the internet now. You know, everybody's got a cell phone. Hope more people have a cell phone than had computers 10 years ago, that sort of stuff. So... Hopefully that they can get more information, but apparently not all. Exactly. Well, it's it's also probably also they're if they're kids, they they have limited access. I would think with yeah. only being at school and the schools, like I mean, the schools here, you can't look stuff like that up. Well, yeah, because but if, if a kid has a personal cell phone, or, right? Yeah. Exactly. But I'm just saying, not not on the library computer, right? <laughs> but also, they may not have cell phones as much as yeah. you know americans do yeah. let's just be honest because every everybody in america has a cell phone i'm just my thinking, daughter has a cell phone <laughs> i'm just thinking of places like africa where cell phones are more prevalent than say landlines are because it was easier to start the cell phone technology right. than to do the landline so there's a lot of mobile phones but they may be older not smart mobile phones where you can't right. look up snopes.com or you know is putting a potato in your vagina a good idea. Yeah. So uh, it, when I first heard about the story, I I wanted to just make sure that this actually had happened. And it has been covered not just at like Daily Mail kind of places, but, you know, actual Columbia websites and stuff like that. So apparently it did happen. But I don't entirely blame the kid who was just naive enough to believe their parent. I believe the parent who doesn't know any better. Because... Yeah. On one level, if you step back and get past the ick factor and, oh, my God, there's roots vo growing, growing out, out of your, your vagina, vagina, a potato is not entirely out of the realm of possibility because it is a barrier. Yes. It, it's a not very sanitary ba barrier, but it could be a barrier because apparently I, I looked this up today as well. There's lots of older ideas from like two, three thousand years ago of the best ideas for contraception at the time. Right. And some of them involved kind of putting oils and lemon tree bark or honey or whatever in a paste. Poop. Well, the, the uh, one is talking putting this kind of acidic paste right. on cotton that starts to ferment and gets more acidic. And you put that in the vagina, so it's a combination of the spermicidal acidic environment and a barrier. Right. Um, Makes an inhospitable host. Exactly, which probably was, to a certain extent, e effective. Not quite as much as our, like, 90 to 95 to 98% effectiveness for condoms, assuming that you're putting them on correctly. But not quite as insane as some of the other ones. As Donna mentioned, apparently one of the big ones was animal poop. Specifically, yeah. uh, crocodile. crocodile poop, which, um, yeah, 
like some of these other possibilities, um, that would definitely be a contraception because the moment, you know, you smell poop down there, you're not no. going to want to have sex. Nobody, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be around that. I mean, granted, the it's going to be a bigger deterrent to oral sex, but still, it's a it's. It doesn't just, make a lot of sense. Right. And and I know that I am speaking from a modern day yeah. sort of perspective. That's just icky. Yeah. Okay. I work very hard at keeping, how shall we say, <laughs> south of the border cleaned up. Before, they under, want... before everybody understood like sanitation and germ theory. But, uh, and, and again, it is probably, it was technically a barrier. So it did work in some ways, but in other ways was probably led to infections and problems like that. Seems like every area of pseudoscience that you go back and find that there's a list of magic cure-alls, almost every time mercury is included in that list. And I, 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 I guess the only reason is because at room temperature, mercury looks like a metal that yeah. is liquid and it's fascinating and looks magical. But apparently, back in China, people were told to drink mercury. And despite the crazy anti-vaxxers who don't understand the types of ethyl and methyl mercury in, in, in the body and stuff, just drinking mercury in and of itself will kill you. Granted, that is also a contraception. If you're dead, you cannot have babies. Right. <laughs> Additionally, mercury, as we know, one of the first things that they tell you actually when you get pregnant is cut back your fish intake because of the mercury levels in fish. Yeah. The mercury does have a certain amount, I would say, a certain amount of science to it, per se, no in that when you're dosing yourself with a heavy metal, <laughs> just going Maybe through. Maybe that's how it gives the woman a headache, so she doesn't want to have sex. Right. But, she, but in addition, yeah. you know, just the, the side effects of heavy metal poisoning. Yeah, would would kind of be... If it wouldn't kill the mother, it would definitely be kind of an abortificant kind of thing. Right. But, um, but I mean, even as most, as recently as say 20 some years ago, or even probably today, this, these kind of stories still go around the idea of douching yourself with some sort of, uh, mixture. And in apparently in the last say 50 years in the, in the modern era, the popular thing was to use Coca-Cola. Right. I graduated from a Catholic high school. So, you know, talk of sex was basically, <laughs> um, if you're caught kissing in the back of a car, you're going to get pregnant. That was kind yeah. of the whole, you can't even do that. You know, a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Right. You know, and when you dance, you had to, you know, be so many feet apart. So there was room for the Holy ghost and all of that, blah, 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 blah. But this, the Coca-Cola thing was actually still going around when I was in high school. I believe in it. the mid to late eighties. Yeah. First of all, using something like Coca-Cola, which is very sugary, I'm sure would lead to a lot of... Um, like pelvic inflammatory diseases. Yeah, or and, and um, yeast infections, infections and, and all that kind of stuff. Not a good idea. But also, just even if you wanted to use hot water or... Well, not hot water. That would be also... Ooh, that just sounds painful. Warm water, lemon juice, whatever... Or water with lemon juice in it with a sprig of lime. I don't know. Um, the, <laughs> a little bit of rosemary. <laughs> it'll work. <laughs> the problem is, and not to get too technical here, 
the guy is going uh 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 in the woman's vagina, ejaculates up against the cervix, immediately the sperm is swimming up through the cervix. Right. So there is so what you're saying is is that basically there is a how shall we say a lack of educational standard yeah. of what happens in pre during post sex. Yes. With the sperm and everything else. Yes. A lot of the things that get thrown around are things like, oh, if the guy pulls out, it's you're never going to get pregnant. Right. Because, but you also have the pre-ejaculate, which has got very healthy sperm yep. in it. Mm. Or if the woman is on her period, you can't possibly get pregnant. Well, it depends on mm. where things are in the cycle. And some people have irregular periods. Right. Sperm hangs around for a couple days. So I've heard anywhere between a couple and five or so days, something like that. I, 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 it's probably really dependent on the man and his swimmers. I mean, and I, the I, environment I would, that right. in the in in the floating tubes and all there because right. they they try to go up towards the floating tubes as fast as possible and then just hang out there. Exactly. I mean, there are so many miscommunications about sex and birth control and everything else out there. I mean, birth control in and of itself is, it's a product that's been vilified by the GOP. The only people who want to use birth control are just sluts that the government wants, that they want the government to pay them to be slutty. AKA Sandra Fluke. Yeah. And, and, and they don't understand what, what birth control does because a a lot of these, I mean, there's the, the sex shaming, the slut shaming issue. That is just a problem of, well, we don't want to talk to our kids about, uh, about um, contraception because that means they might actually have sex, ignoring the fact that they're going to have sex anyway. So they should be better education, but also thinking uh, there are a lot of really misunderstood people who don't understand that virtually no birth control that is commercially available in any way, shape, or form is in any way related to an abortion itself. Right. Even if you are well, a hold on. personhood at at um, conception. Uh, conception. I would now see here. That's that okay. is where they come from. It though, because if what happens is is that if the sperm is meeting the egg and it's an inhospitable environment that is created by the birth control pill that basically says oh no we can't plan oh no can't do it can't do it can't do it that's the problem they don't understand that the like the basic pill from what i understand it prevents ovulation so there's no way for the sperm to actually meet the egg same thing with the morning after pill which is essentially a a pill bomb of the same hormones that prevent ovulation for the month, the daily monthly right. pill, whatever you want to call it. And it just doses the female body with so many hormones that it prevents the release of an egg. If an egg has already been released, the morning after pill is going to do absolutely nothing. Right. And it's not going to cause the uterine lining to shed or anything like that. Where most other birth control are things like barrier methods like sponges and condoms or whatever right. that well, the prevent birth control meeting pill, in the first place. What the birth control pill does is basically fools your body into thinking that it's already pregnant. Right. So no egg, right. no pregnancy. The, 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 the idea that all these birth control methods, which either prevent sperm from getting in either through a barrier or thickening the cervix, either it's mucus or like itself, so sperm just can't get in, or 
preventing the egg from coming out, that is not by any uber conservatives a definition of abortion if they don't meet in the first place. But it is also the GOP's definition of being a slut, though. Yes. Because if you are having sex without procreation, without consequence, it's wrong. we can't have that because yeah. then, you know, women might want to vote or something. <laughs> yes, it's tied up in a whole bigger cultural attitude towards anyone having sex, especially women, which is just horrible. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's... The, the fact of the matter is, though, is that people are going to have sex. Yes. Okay? And whether it is traditional sex or saddlebacking, as that great <laughs> term has been... I, I love that term. Are you familiar with it? Yes. Yeah. So, for our listeners, saddlebacking is when you have two virgins on prom night who decide to go anal so that they can maintain their virginity. <laughs> because it would be wrong to have vaginal sex. It is almost entirely unlikely, but it's remotely possible to possibly get pregnant doing anal. Right. If there's the right amount of Santorum leakage in the right places, boom, yeah. Bob's your uncle and now you're a parent. Right. And then the other side of this is, is that the other side that people are not taking into account is that barrier method birth control has many other uses, just like hormonal birth control has many other uses. Yeah. Barrier method birth control does prevent things. Like STDs. Yeah. So it's not just simply, oh, well, let's go out and have fun. Well, you know what? Honestly, let's go out and have fun, but let's do it in a safe manner mm -hmm. that, say, isn't going to kill me. Yes. I'm, I'm really fond of that idea. For, forget having roots growing in your vagina after two weeks of having a potato in there. That 22-year-old woman was given no information at all about protecting herself from diseases, let alone the diseases of having a potato up your snatch. Exactly. This is one where we, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in a global we, we have to get over this puritanical idea yeah. because guess what people are going to do it <laughs> in fact and i don't know where i saw this and i can't ex i so i don't know if this is true or not but i did see this one of the highest i guess groups for rise in aids are like retirement age because they can no longer get pregnant so everybody's so they're kinda, back in it and they're getting gonorrhea and syphilis and, and other diseases, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Fun times. Sex is fun. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it safely. Yeah. I came of age in the middle to late eighties. And this was right after you started to see AIDS creeping up in other parts of society. It no, was no longer called grid. It was AIDS. And you started to see it in women and you started to see it in hemophiliacs and you started to see it in other places rather than those damn dirty gays who are getting it you know as proof that god hates gay sex which is a whole nother discussion it's a whole other yes. discussion <laughs> but if you really believe things like plastic wrap is going to prevent you from getting pregnant it's better than nothing, but it's, it's nowhere near effective right. and it's easily broken. 
if you want to believe that polling out is the method, <laughs> I can introduce you to a couple of people, okay? <laughs> if you want to believe that the pill is not effective, yeah. which in some people it isn't, but that is body chemistry and there's there's lots of other yeah. things going on there. It's fine, but don't start spreading the lies and saying, oh no, well, you can still get AIDS from this, or you can still, oh baby, I, it feels so much better if I'm not wearing a condom. No, I want you to wear a condom because I don't want your thing to fall off. Yeah. As, as uh, the male voice this week, it does feel different with and without condoms, but... It does not feel bad with condoms. It still feels plenty good. And there's plenty of good time to be had. Right. It's, it's like, what, okay, like a 5%, like 3% difference in feeling or something like that. It's still really fucking good because it's it sex. <laughs> it, uh, and, and going back a second, you were saying, you know, if, if you don't know the truth, don't spread the, the lies or the misinformation. The unfortunate part is a lot of these people just don't know. And and it's really weird. Like you said, both of us having grown up in the 80s and 90s where sex education was finally being included more rigorously, more just... Well, maybe for you. <laughs> okay. Well, more standard. We got the standard like there are condoms, there are sponges, there are spermicides, there there is the pill. The most effective way is to not have sex. But if you're going to do it, there are these other things. Now, granted, all the kind of oral, anal, homosexual, all that kind of stuff was never even mentioned. Eh, okay, could be better. But we talked about contraception as an important real thing, that it can protect you. Condoms can protect you from diseases and all the other things can help protect against pregnancy. That's great. But there were still people... I knew someone who was maybe a year or two older than me that I heard through the grapevine that she was absolutely convinced that if after sex she squatted down to kind of try to push stuff out, that she couldn't get pregnant. And that's someone who went to the same high school as me, so got the same classes and didn't know any better, but probably was convinced through pre-internet age, someone told her and... She thinks that's real, so she passes it on as, oh, this as is advice rather I than heard. fiction. She doesn't know any better. And, and you got to be careful. We have to be careful in um, assigning maliciousness to the spreading of these things. So the mother of this Colombian girl, woman, she's 22, probably heard from her mother and her mother's mother that a potato would do it. Now, a potato for two weeks... I assume because it was two weeks and all they had to do was cut it out and she was fine and didn't have a big infection meant that she washed the potato first. That's a good thing. But that you, you, you don't know any better to, to not use a potato. Okay, fine. But to leave it in, that's a whole lot of other lack of education. And I guess a lot... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stuck a little bit here on for the last 20 minutes since we've been discussing this story. Part of me wonders, what kind of potato did she use? Was, was it a russet, yes, one of those little, little red russet buttery ones golden ones? That, that would this. just kind of boop, go up in there? Or was it a big old honkin' Idaho, like, holy crap, they gave me this at My, TGI okay. Fridays, kind of, this could feed a small family of six. 
potatoes. Did she use one of those? I would because imagine more power to her. I would imagine that it had to be a smaller one. I'm mm-hmm. just, especially if it was stuck. Yeah, but you know, seeing how babies come out, vaginas can accommodate a whole lot of stuff. Right. Exactly. But with that being said. It's not like you're actively having sex when that baby is coming out, okay? Well, yeah. The, the, the muscles <laughs> there, can there's, stretch. There's only stuff. so yeah. much room. But, like, okay, I know this is a tangent, whatever, but it, if it was a big old full-on kind of Idaho baked potato kind of size thing, it would be bad because basically the guy wouldn't have been able to get in. That's kind of the point. And it would be point. just bunking up against... No, wouldn't be able to get in the outer labia area if there's just a whole big potato in there. Yeah, it's probably sticking out. Yeah. Cause... Uh, but, so it had to be small enough so that it wasn't that big, but it also had to be big enough because if it was just a little potato, it would be like um, the, 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 a spray paint can where if you shake it, it just goes rattle, 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 rattle. So she's walking down the street and she rattle, 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 rattle. That wouldn't work either. So it must have been, like we said, like one of the little russet, like, red potato m- potatoes. Or, or maybe she cut it in half and kind of tried to stick it up against the cervix or something. I don't know. I don't want to know, honestly. I, yeah. I don't. Because the only thing that I can hear. I hear this story, and the first thing that I think of is infection. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Same with, the like, the Coca-Cola douching or anything like that. Right. Y- y- if you're going to do anything up there... It should be sterile. Right, exactly. It should be sterile. Additionally, they're actually now saying that douching is actually leading to incidences of, like, pelvic inflammatory disease yeah. and everything else. I kind of like to keep my, how shall we say, nippling bits um, infection-free. Yes. Well, I, I think the, the, the douching, like the anal douching or the enemas or whatever, they clean out too much of the natural flora yeah. and fauna of what's going on in both those areas. Because they're... Hopefully separately. That, you know, there should be a natural kind of environment there. And if you keep washing it out, it becomes either too basic, too acidic or whatever. And right. chaos ensues. And at that point, you get a lot of, um, I don't know, you just get a lot of problems. Yes. Yeah. Yeast so. infections are not fun. Okay. Yeah. Every woman has had one. They're not fun. No. And if the woman is having a yeast infection, the guy isn't having any fun either. That's very yeah. true. So, so um, on the blog post for the announcement of this episode, we'll post a few articles of these various myths that we've been talking about. And we, we cherry-picked some of our favorites or whatever we remembered. Um, but there's good articles on WebMD and Women's Health Magazine even, um, as opposed to like a Cosmo article or something like that. But also, as usual, a a resource like Planned Parenthood is a very good resource to find the actual science of what's going on. And if you are not comfortable, if you are, okay, so if you were a teenager and you were not comfortable going to your parents, this is the age of the internet. So please do go to reputable sources. Additionally, remember that adults will lie. (laughs) Which is why we're stressing, once again, go to these reputable sources. Yes. And I tell the story. I mean, when I was a teenager, my mom was a nurse. And my mom was the one that every kid in the neighborhood went to. (laughs) And my mother would have the talk. 
and she would explain everything in glorious detail. And she probably got more people to stop having sex or even considering <laughs> it by showing them pictures of what STDs do to your little nibbly bits. Let me tell you. That is an effective tactic. That, yes. Yeah. Just be careful and make sure that it, you know the person you're having it with, even right. if you're being careful. Going back a second to you said if you are a teen or if you have teens, I haven't used this resource very much myself, but I've heard glowing reviews of scarleteen.com, S-C-A-R-L-E-T-E-E-N.com. Yes. It's, it's a pretty good resource of education and question and answers and from what I understand, it is very young person friendly and not, it's not a porno site that masks itself as sex education, which can be good. Right. Also, Lacey Green, the okay. uh, YouTuber, um, I believe she is officiallaceygreen.com or something. She does some really great, she's a sex advocate. She does put out factual medical advice as well yeah so you know there are plenty of resources it's not like kind of like an day when we didn't really have the internet yeah and laws were stricter if you didn't have how shall we say a a liberally minded parent mm -hmm. it was very difficult to get the correct information yeah so. But now, I mean, f fairly recently in the last week or two, I remember seeing an article making the rounds on the Facebooks about how some study recently reinforced the fact that if you give out free birth control to teens or, or, or older or whatever, the teen pregnancy rate goes, goes down. down. If you educate kids and give them birth control, they don't get teen pregnant, which means they don't get teen abortions either. So. Right. But so it's kind that's of a, a, that's an old argument with the conservatives of you should support contraception so that kids don't have abortions. Well, but that's an argument for another day. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other thing for another day. Since we're going to be talking about facts about birth control and everything else, we're going to kind of harken back to our last episode and we're going to revisit Ebola. Because yes, for some reason, birth control means Ebola. I guess if you die, you can't, you're not going to reproduce. Welcome to Ebola cast. <laughs> we, we have been kind of harping on the topic and, and hopefully we haven't That's... bored the listeners, but there's... Because there's so much stupid shit coming yeah, out. There's so many different facets from a skeptical point of view, besides just the pure medicine and, and you know, we're not trying to do the scare tactics or the sensationalism of like the big news things we're nowhere near the big news things, but it is a fascinating topic to look at. Especially it is, it is extremely fascinating in that watching people's reactions Yeah. because going back in our, our conversation, you and I grew up learning about AIDS from a very early coming of age point. There was no, you know, wrap yourself in plastic wrap. Don't touch anybody. <laughs> I mean, I or do if you jump up and down, you won't get pregnant right. or that kind of but stuff. But I mean, I do remember people having panic attacks about AIDS where like emergency medical techs wouldn't work on a car wreck because the person had was diagnosed with HIV positive or AIDS. Mm. All this shit. But nowadays it's kind of people are realizing that people with AIDS are not necessarily contagious. Fucking one person in Texas gets Ebola and, <laughs> oh my God, the, the, the nut futters yeah. have just 
gone crazy. The number of people who get flu and measles and whooping cough every year here in the United States, besides the fact that the whole vaccine preventable, get your kids vaccinated, the whole thing, but just all those infections and all those deaths, which is a lot more communicable and has plenty of deaths too. And yet we're focusing on the one. And I understand psychologically it's because it's a novel disease. It is rare. It is usually just in Africa and we're hearing about it. And there is a big epidemic in Africa. It's, it's, it's a unique thing and our minds will pay attention to that. Yeah. I mean, I've had people come up to me because they know that I've, I've studied anthropology and epidemiology, you know, and going, is this the next plague? I mean, and I'm mm-hmm. like, the, no. Or the people. next, what is it? Uh, was it the 1915 flu or something like the Spanish flu? or something. Yeah. yeah somewhere around there. And I'm like, no, no. no. The, the disease is different. <laughs> And the the times are different. Right. And like we said, Ebola is only communicable once you start showing symptoms. Once again, I'm going to reiterate this. Unlike the common cold, which you are communicable for a couple of days before you start showing symptoms, because had we been able to figure this out two million years ago, Homo habilis would have killed the guy with the runny nose and we wouldn't have to worry about the common cold. <laughs> yeah. That's that's honestly how it would have worked. But Ebola is preventable. It is very easily preventable. Now, unfortunately, we do have some sad news. Mr. Duncan, who was the first United States Ebola patient, passed away today from complications due to his disease. My understanding is, is that he went downhill very quickly, had been on respirators and dialysis and just gave up. Yeah. You know, and the timeline being that he left Liberia on September 18th within say four or five days, he started showing symptoms and then went to the hospital. They kicked him out. They, they didn't kick him out. They said, Oh, you're probably just sick. Here are some antibiotics and some pain reducers. And they sent him home and the system failed there, but he came back later in an ambulance two days later. So this is basically towards the end of September. And yeah, so basically once he got sick within about 10 days, he passed away and which I've heard is relatively long for Ebola once you really start showing symptoms. But like we talked about with the, the modern medicine and now things are so much different in the modern world nowadays. He was getting round the clock treatment. Yes. He was, there's still questions about, did he get the full treatment he needed, whether it was blood or fluids or respirator early enough or whatever, or was he, you know, the whole two days missing days, was that a problem? And there's going to be investigations, whatever. But the fact is that he lasted longer than a lot of people do because medicine is better nowadays and that helped him but there's only so much it can do right additionally a dallas sheriff's deputy who was inside mr duncan's apartment has been rushed to the hospital he is being tested for ebola everything else sergeant michael morning is his name right morning is what i have oh something like that yeah (laughs) and 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 apparently he had gone into duncan's apartment without any protection going back to our sexual transmission disease problems, he wasn't even in contact with Eric Duncan himself. Yeah. He either, there was something contaminated in the apartment that he got in contact with or one of the other 
48 or so people that Thomas Eric Duncan was in contact with, maybe they're starting to be infectious and he got it from there or something right. like that. But it's it's breaking. We don't know what's going on here. Right. But still, that's that's number two so far of maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one and a half. Yeah, yeah. You know. But, I mean, the United States itself, let's just talk about what the U.S. is doing. Because this is really interesting. The White House... .gov actually put out a fact sheet of the U.S. response to Ebola. And they are deploying civilian medical, healthcare, and disaster response experts from multiple U.S. government departments, which is pretty standard. They've increased the number of Ebola treatment units, which is great because you have to separate these people mm-hmm. from the general populace. They've added safe burial teams. So they're, they're increasing this, you know, okay, so, you got somebody who has Ebola, they die, you need to handle that safely. Their fluids are still infected, and as I said a couple weeks ago, a dead body is just a bag of fluids waiting to escape. Exactly. They're providing more Ebola test kits, heavy-duty plastic sheeting to create treatment rooms across the thing, 140,000 sets of personal protective equipment. 140,000. And, and just as many of these kind of protective gears are being donated to Africa yes. to try to stem their outbreak so that we don't have to deal with it here. Essentially, that's the best bet to, to stop it there so right. it doesn't come here again. Additionally, they are sending a Department of Defense presence in there to help take care of situations and, if necessary provide force to ensure certain protocols are taken care of. But they're the, constructing the, hospitals. Mm-hmm. You're talking about in Africa. Yes. Because yeah. most of the soldiers who are being sent to Africa are mostly helping with logistics, like the engineers building the hospitals or yeah. analyzing kind of like, where do you need a new clinic? How can we shift supplies? It's not guys with guns pointing at people who are sick with Ebola it's no. trying to help out it's trying lo- to help the out logistics it is trying to help out with the logistics but one thing is is that all of these people are trained to handle sort of how shall we say the rogue sick guy or, or if just, they have yeah, to stressful situations or you have to be careful and and the the army if it's really good at one thing it's and it's organizing in a crisis yes Despite the fact, we'll, we'll go on with what else the government is doing here and abroad, but on the Africa story and sending troops to help with their logistics, it doesn't help when you have congressmen like Louis Gohmert here, oh, here in Texas. Oh, I love that guy. He's so funny. Um, I really wish he understood how funny he actually was. Yeah. he's uh, He was essentially went on some sort of rant on Fox Business with Lou Dobbs recently going on about secret service agents and political correctness about how political correctness is going to be the downfall of the United States. But he seemed to link the idea of political correctness with the ideas of quote, sending 3000 military into where they can get Ebola and they can bring back, bring Ebola back that, that the whole point of Obama sending them there is to be politically correct and send soldiers there so they can die from Ebola. It does not help when you have ignorant people like Louis Gohmert spreading stupid stuff like that. There's enough hysteria around Ebola and our reaction to it and trying to help out people who are just in need that this is not going to help. But So I just wanted to put that little yeah. 
side note in there of our politicians are not helping, despite the fact that our government can be a good kind of central resource to help coordinate things in Africa with some military resources for hospitals and stuff like that. And here in the United States to say, well, here's how you can help reorganize your, your hospital to plan for Ebola. If it comes, I heard something on NPR this morning about how one of the teams that you were talking about, were discussing the idea of if they were to get an Ebola patient, they have a specific room set aside, which is, at the end of a hallway so that nobody would be passing by that room all the time with a separate kind of ventilation system. They've got the plastic sheeting kind of all set up with it's got an ante room, which has a separate entrance than everything else that they can just look at these logistics and plan now just in case another Dallas happens so that we can prevent spread because that's how we were going to stop this. All the experimental medications that we talked about a couple weeks ago, they're great. If we can get a vaccine, even more wonderful. Right now, we just basically isolate and, and treat, and we can stop this. It's not that hard to stop Ebola. Right. One of the other interesting things that I saw, and this was on the news this morning, um, they had actually called in the doctor that was brought over from West Africa Treated here in the United States, treated in Atlanta, and is probably many of our listeners know. The one who was infected a couple the, weeks ago. A couple of weeks yeah, ago, yeah. And, and thank God for curing his Ebola, as opposed to, you know, say the medical professionals. Yes. One of the, I guess one of the things that they were looking at doing to treat Mr. Duncan was that they found out that this doctor and Mr. Duncan had the same blood type. And they were hoping that maybe a transfusion mm -hmm. of a small amount of blood might actually help kickstart antibodies, antibodies kind of yeah, sort okay. of thing, which was kind of interesting. You know, it's a different way of going in there, but yeah, it, but it, unfortunately, I, I think the main problem, I mean, it's, it's taking a step back. It's really scary that Thomas Eric Duncan was. He was African and was visiting the United States, apparently, or, or vice versa or something like that. And the two doctors who were treated in Atlanta last month and survived were white people. But the problem is that the two doctors in Africa who were shipped back here were caught really early on. Yes. And Mr. Duncan was caught very late. And the infection had really already set in. And that is a failing of the procedures in Dallas and how they handled it. And it sucks. But right. as much of it as, as it could be dangerous, the whole racial comparison, I don't think it's about race at right. least yet. Well, additionally, I know that uh, the, I guess, Dallas Presbyterian who was treating him, mm -hmm. I guess one of the things that they found out when he came in the first time was that the reporting system for doctor versus nurse didn't transfer information to over quite as easily as they were led to believe. Because he had told the nurse that, well, yeah, I've been in West Africa. And she put it in there, but the doctor couldn't see it. So this is, once again, it has spurred, how shall we say, a change in how the medical professionals, at least in the Dallas area, are now asking the correct questions and making sure that everybody is on the same page, yeah. not just one person. <laughs> one of the things though, that has really bothered me about the Ebola thing was that Liberia 
and the United States both wanted to charge Mr. Duncan for basically traveling while sick. Well, it was the lying on the forms because they wouldn't have let him out of Liberia. Right. If he had said, yes, I've been caring for a person who had Ebola. And morally, it was inexcusable for him to lie about that. Right. The side of it is, though, are we really going to punish people for being sick? Well, we should. The The problem is that if we don't do anything when someone lies like that, then everybody's going to feel that there's no consequences for lying on those forms and people, more people are going to get out past those screening procedures. But the flip side of it is also, though, is that if you were going to put people in jail for this, people are not going to necessarily always go to the doctor when they should. There's it. There well, is a th there's a difference between prosecuting someone and putting them in jail. I mean, they could prosecute him and like fine him and show that it is inexcusable to do this without ruining his life, because they really need to make the point that everybody is in this together. There shouldn't be any exceptions for anybody. Right, and I I, I completely agree with you there. It depends on how they were going to handle it. Right. Because when I agree, when you first hear of it, that they're going to prosecute him, your first reaction is, really? Now this is what you're going to focus on? But even if all you do is say that you're going to, that this is technically illegal and this is bad for all of the rest of Liberia and the rest of the world, we need to be citizens of the world. We need to think about others, not just of ourselves. Some people are accusing Thomas Eric Duncan of traveling to the u.s because he knew he would get better health care i don't think yeah. he knew he was going to be infectious but still the if if you think you could have been exposed to it and you decide to travel i don't understand why people in america are still traveling to liberia and guinea and all these kind of places unless you really absolutely have to are you a part of doctors without borders do you have a month supply of protective clothing then fine, go. Otherwise, this is not a good time to be a tourist in Liberia. Right. And well, the idea honestly, that... honestly, it's never really a good time to be a tourist in Liberia. From what I understand, Thomas Eric Duncan basically was coming to the United States to visit friends. And I'm not I'm talking like... about closing the borders or cutting off all visas or anything like that. Because there are some... I can get into some scary other stuff besides what Louis Gohmert said. Uh, there oh. was a really there was another Republican who said something even scarier and more horrific. Oh yeah, the ones but, that just want to nuke Dallas. Or, or hold on, I love the ones who are like, we should just nuke the places that have yeah. Ebola. Okay, since so, I, since I got into this, so we nuke Dallas. <laughs> yeah, we have Which, uh, former general counsel and executive director of the South Carolina Republican Party, Todd Kincannon. Oh, God, I fucking hate that dude. People with Ebola in the uni United States need to be humanely put down immediately. The protocol for a positive Ebola test should be immediate humane execution and sanitation of the whole area that will save lives. It has a strong transmission vector, no effective way to treat it. Well, yes, you can. And so on and so on and so on. He's, you know, he's talked about kill it with fire, salt the earth. It's compassionate to kill. Now... This guy is pro-life. No, so, okay, hold on, hold on. He's pro-birth. 
Yes. Well, well he Let's did, just well, put I'm it that using way. the general understood term of pro-life in that he is anti-abortion and considers himself pro-life because of that. And so he's talking about killing, basically napalming visions from the sky right now, killing U.S. citizens if they're even suspected or diagnosed with Ebola, despite the fact that there's a 50-50 survival rate. Oh, I just want it noted as a side note here. He actually blocked me on Twitter. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations because as horrible as the rest of this stuff is, it has a Texas twist to it as well. Todd Kincannon tweeted on October 4th, We should put Wendy Davis's vagina in charge of the Ebola outbreak. It will kill all of them without mercy and go to Nordstrom's afterwards. This combines being a stupid ass about Ebola with utter sexism and disregard for anybody in the opposite party. Yeah, pretty much. This guy should not be in charge of a dog pound. No, Let he alone an entire political party in a state so and he makes these statements with impunity impunity that's yeah. that's actually the word i was looking for yeah. was people are look. fighting back on twitter but he is sticking to his guns apparently yeah there's some really scary stuff going on yeah, and it is. I mean, we do not have what the to point nuke was. Texas. Yeah, I don't know okay. what the point was before we got into that, but that that just kind of gets me off the track. The point is, though, is that we don't have to nuke Texas. We don't have yeah. to nuke a Liberia and Somalia. Yeah. We don't have to do these things. What we need to do is, once again, like we say almost every episode, look at the science. Be Put safe. Those- yeah. Put the people who, oh, I don't know, actually understand this in charge of taking care of it rather than yeah. assuming that Todd Kincannon, who could not find his way out of a wet paper bag with a map and a compass. And a match. Mm. I, I really have I've, no words. I've kind of joked over the last couple of weeks of either I'm going to pre- be proved right about my idea that Ebola won't really spread very off very much in the United States because of our health system and our modern controls and stuff like that. Or it'll turn into Stephen King's The Stand or some other apocalyptic, like, I am legend kind of crap going on. But the fact that this um, Sergeant Morning or Monning, whatever the hell his name is, went into a known Ebola-contaminated area without protection... And now may possibly be infected, maybe not, as of the time of this recording. But that he went in there is kind of towards the 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 latter of those two slop options that I was thinking of. Because this won't spread if people are smart, if mm. people stop and think, right, and, the- and 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 not be worked up by the hype as and panicking or whatever, but also. Just be simply careful, and we. this is going to stop. One of the things I also want to point out to you is just simply the math. Okay, so there are 8,000 cases worldwide of Ebola. Mm-hmm. Liberia alone has 4.2 million people. Yeah. Okay. We are a great nation of 100, 300 million plus people. We've got one and a half, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe two may have just been one, okay? But people are seriously 
just freaking out. Yeah. I really just can't explain it, you know? Yeah. Especially when you look at the infectious value of Ebola. Okay, so I pulled up Wikipedia. There's a thing in epidemiology called the R-naught. And that is how many times it can reproduce from one person. Does it have anything to do with Jason and the Argonauts? No. Okay. So measles, which is airborne, Mm -hmm. has an R-naught of 12 to 18. Okay. Which means that one person is likely to to infect infect 12 to 18 people. Pertussis, very, very big thing nowadays because of the pertussis outbreaks. 12 to 17. HIV has an infection rate, an R-naught of 2 to 5. And most likely those are people who do not realize that they are HIV positive and are spreading it unknowingly. The flu, 2 to 3. Ebola has 1 to 4. Yeah, it's very hard to transmit. Because, as we've said, it's bodily fluids, and and so is something like, say, AIDS. Yeah. But AIDS is a lot more of a silent, long, creeping killer. Right. Where Ebola, you you get it. If you're going to get it, I think, basically, if you're exposed within about 21 days, about three to four weeks, something like that, is all the numbers I've seen on this, about 21 days later, you'll... If you've got it, you've got it. If not, you won't show signs. Yeah. So it's fairly quick compared to something like AIDS, which may take years to kill you. And you could be passing along all this time. So Ebola is a quick killer, but it's also hard to get. Right. And thanks to medical science, AIDS, Magic Johnson has lived 20, 22 years with the AIDS virus. Mm -hmm. He has lived with it. This... Ebola strikes very hard and very fast. And fortunately, that is actually a plus for us. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be around for 20 years spreading Ebola. Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible in our modern age, in our modern interconnected world, that something like measles or the SARS virus the, the, the and, and all those kind of the new diseases that have kind of cropped up that very can very quickly transmit because of our interconnected international flight world that we live in now it's entirely possible that we could have a large outbreak of something very communicable and very deadly we've lucked out in ebola that it is pretty deadly but not very communicable and we usually have like flu every year that's very communicable but not quite as deadly right if those if there was a mixture of that it would be really bad but right now we're okay now we've as of the publishing of this show the United States is talking about in at least 5 of the major air, international airports in the country JFK Newark Chicago Dulles in Washington DC and Atlanta of screening passengers from especially the three African nations that are having this problem with taking their temperature and probably some kind of quick survey like they're doing coming out of Liberia and that's all fine and good, but you could be incubating when you're passing through customs right? and still get sick later. So it's little things like that can help a little, but all of it combined with the good medicine and knowing to go to your doctor and knowing to be careful if you think you have it 
all of that combined can stop the, the spread really quickly. Unfortunately, as a cynic, I think the whole screening at airports for temperature is more of a looking like they're doing something because all the Fox News people are panicking than actually doing something, but there's not a lot that can well, be done. It's it's along yeah. the same lines of the whole, you know, one guy plants a bomb an issue and suddenly everybody's taking their shoes off. Okay. Yeah. The likelihood of this actually catching something is probably not likely. Mm-hmm. Let's just it's it's probably not going to happen. But the problem is, is that people don't want to be seen not doing anything. And But then on yeah. the other hand, is it actually doing anything or is it just a face value sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, and, and, and that's the scary part. I mean, it's it's good that Dallas is relooking at its medical procedures, the hospitals and the airports and all that kind of stuff. But people just need to be basically more educated and more careful. Right. And that'll help a lot more than screening for temperatures. Once again... Like with birth control, just be careful. You know, it's not, birth control is most likely not going to kill you, but it is most likely going to prevent you from being in a position where other people might say you're killing somebody else or all of these other things. You know, there's, once again, let science be science. Let science do its job. Mm -hmm. Let medicine do its job. Do not trust what your neighbor says about birth control or about preventing Ebola. They (laughs) don't know. Okay. There's a reason why they don't work at the CDC. Yeah. It doesn't help when here in Texas, the famous refrain of our state board of education was standing up to the experts or however you want to phrase it of there are people who know we need to seek them out, but also listen to them if they actually know what they're talking about. And um, if that's the case, less teen pregnancies, less unwanted pregnancies, less STDs, yeah. and less Ebola deaths. Right. Would so, be nice. Take care of yourself. Take care of all of your bits, whether they're your brain bits or your mm-hmm. dingly bits. You know, the fun bits, because the brain bits are pretty fun too, but because mm-hmm. that's actually the biggest sex organ you have. Yep. But also, if you were not sure about something, Look it up. Go to places like, if you're concerned about Ebola, go to the CDC's website. They have plenty of information Mm -hmm. that is easily communicated. Also, it's not like it's a scientific paper that you're going to have every other word that you're having to look up. Mm -hmm. It is written for the common person. Also, remember that this is not a conspiracy. (laughs) Ebola is not a conspiracy, you know, to kill people. It's a disease. Mm-hmm. It happens. Ebola has been erupting for I don't know how many years. Every couple of years we hear, oh my God, Ebola outbreak. This is the biggest one ever. And this is the biggest yeah. one ever. And it was all only the... discovered officially like 50 years ago or something like that. But Right. Yeah. Wrapping this up, what did we learn tonight? We learned that proper sex education is important. And don't stick things up your hoo-ha that shouldn't be there. Within reason. Within, now. Some people have fun with non-traditional substances, but learn, but be careful. Out. Get them out yes. when you're done. Be okay. careful, be sanitized, be 
knowledgeable, have a safe word, all that kind of fun right. stuff. Because additionally, the worst thing that you want to do is get an infection, which can be painful, which can require like large doses of antibiotics, which nobody really wants to be on anymore because of antibiotic resistant infections. So try to stay off as many antibiotics as possible. It's really kind of preferable. Sex leads to pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It can. So be careful. <laughs> Additionally, barrier methods are great and they're wonderful, especially if you have any sort of questions about your sex partner's history. Because people lie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you can't still have fun with them. Just make sure there's a piece of latex between you and them. Ebola. It's probably not going to kill you. Okay. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't panic. This is not a modern day plague. If you actually look at the numbers, there is 8,000 people infected with it in a world of how many billions of people? Yeah. It's scary that of those about 8,000, a little over 3,700 have died by today. So it's about 50-50 in its death rate. It's a big, serious outbreak, but it is a controllable outbreak that is not going to decimate the human population i'm gonna i'm actually gonna add something here if you want sort of a layman's progress of how a disease works there is a really great game it's called plague inc you can get it on your smartphones you can get it on your ipad go get it you actually create your own plague and try to infect the world okay it's actually not that easy people (laughs) Especially once you get up into the nanotechnology, because they, they have, like, different levels, and I still okay. haven't beat nanotechnology. Yes, I spend my days killing people when I'm not talking on Skeptic Wire podcast. Okay. On a game. I think I'll but insert the cricket sound there. But it is a great game to actually teach you the basics of epidemiology. So, go try it. Have fun. Learn how diseases spread. How to prevent them. And remember basic things. Wash your hands, especially after you go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Try to stay healthy. Well, I just can't say it yeah. enough. If you're going to sleep with somebody, put yeah. some latex between you. <laughs> I, I think it all kind of can be summarized of be a citizen of your community and of the world. Think of not just yourself of, oh, I want to go to Dallas and visit some friends. Think... I might spread something. I could have been in contact with it. I don't want to endanger someone else. I could get someone pregnant. I should wear a condom because I have to think of someone else. I have empathy for someone else around me. Right. So learn science, be empathetic, and all will be good. Yes. Well, I guess that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, I am your host, Donna Swafford, and with me tonight has been Greg Perrine. Yep. Once again, I am. And unfortunately, Gary will not be back for the next couple of weeks. So you're stuck with us. Time to step up, Harpo. You got to bring a topic next week. Yes. Okay. So everybody have a good night. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. 